God, that's our prayer today. That you would hear our cross. God, a lot of us are walking in today with more questions than we have answers to. More pain than we feel equipped to handle. God, I I know that there's just a brokenness that's in here. God, my prayer is is that that today, God, you would start to pick up the pieces of our brokenness and do what only you can do. And that's put us back together. Holy Spirit, have your way here today. Move, transform. But God, I pray most of all that you would begin to heal us today. been a tough week I don't know about you but I was not prepared for this past week and today Like I know for many of you that feel the same way. Because Parkland isn't just some faraway town somewhere else. Parkland is our town. See, all of us are Parkland. All of us are Stoneman Douglas. This is our community. This is our family. This is our people. And this isn't something that we read about on TV. This is our reality. I don't know about you, but I'm deeply troubled today. Troubled in my soul. Troubled in my emotions. And Jesus actually said that we're going to experience some trouble. 
In fact, in Matthew, or actually in John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, we're all going to have some trouble. And here's the thing about trouble is trouble is the great leveler of our entire human race. It is in a respecter of age, spiritual delineation, race, income, neighborhood. And when trouble comes, man, there's a lot of hardship and loss, heartbreak and betrayal. deep pain and I think a lot of us are experiencing it today and when we're feeling that way how we react is pretty normal a lot of us are going through different emotions today some of us are just in this state of shock right now we're in utter disbelief we're like how in the world did this happen In fact, we're saying, I can't believe this happened to me. This stuff's supposed to happen on TV or in places we read about on the web, but this is not supposed to be my reality. And some of us were stuck in this place of shock. Others of us have moved beyond shock to the stage of blank we're basically we're going this isn't fair why me why my life why my family why my community why my kids and what happens is, is when we can't come up with an answer we start looking at people around us and pointing the fingers it's that person's fault or it's their fault or it's the government's fault or it's the lawmaker's fault or it's the... And if we can't find a human personality to do it, to blame it on, we'll blame it on God because he's an easy target. Probably, honestly, the easiest. For some of us, we've moved beyond that shock and blame and we've moved on to withdrawing. And we find a dark and we find a lonely place. And we isolate ourselves and we suppress all of these emotions that we're having. And let me just tell you something. That is one of the worst things you can possibly do right now. Is to try to push all of this stuff down in your life. And go into this ultimate kind of self-pity mode. Some of us, we've moved beyond that and we've gone straight to anger where we go, somebody's got to pay for this. And we're angry and we're lashing out and we're saying and doing things that we would never do unless we were hurt in that moment because hurt people, what do they do? They hurt people. Because we want other people to feel the pain that we're experiencing right now. Sometimes all that leads to shame where we go. All of this junk in our life is catching up to us. We go, what am I doing? And I, I've hurt people and I'm hurting people. And 
feel like we should have done things that we didn't do, and we end up in this deep, toxic pit of shame. Some of us move even a little bit further than that and end up into a place of depression, despair, and utter, utter just defeat in life. We say, why go on? Some of you, you're there right now. You're going, man, what is the deal? Like, I don't know what to do. And here's my question for you. How are you going to respond right now? Are you going to respond to the encroaching darkness by throwing in the towel and giving up? Are you going to re respond by just gritting your teeth and suppressing your emotions and trudging ahead through life? Or are you going to try to cope with a little bit more wine or a few more pills? Or are you going to throw yourself into a relationship frenzy or a work frenzy? You're going to eat yourself into an oblivion or throw yourself into a financial ruin? What do you do when adversity and trouble bring you to the edge of utter defeat. What do you do in that moment? And I would say, what do we do in this moment? And Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you'll have trouble. But he doesn't finish right there. He continues on and he says, but take courage. I've overcome the world. He doesn't just say we're going to have trouble. He says, listen, there's something more than the trouble you're going to have. There is something today that you and I can grab hold of in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the loss and the heartbreak and the, the utter disbelief that we're facing today. Jesus says we don't have to cave in. We don't have to do swan dives off into the abyss. We don't have to go and throw our lives into a frenzy. There is something that we can grab hold of that will move us forward. In fact, Jesus says, there's another way, and I can help you move that way. And today, what I want to do is I want to help us start to overcome emotionally and relationally and spiritually today. Because I believe that we've, we've got to start that today. And I believe that if we can learn with the power of Christ that work within us, that God wants to do something supernatural in our lives that only he can do. That if we'll grab hold of and we'll stand firm on, he will transform our lives. That we don't have to live on the edge of despair. But we can actually start to walk as an overcomer. Jesus says we can. But some of you are wondering if you can today.
yesterday I was out at Pine Trails Park. Basically, like, I've been every single day this week at the memorial for the 17 precious lives that were taken on Wednesday. And, and I realized something, realized something very, very valuable that a middle-aged 40-year-old man kind of comes off as a creeper out there by himself. <laughs> it's an important insight for you to have. Uh, you're a middle-aged man out there by yourself. And so realizing that after a while, like walking up to students and families like, hey, that's a little weird. Uh, it's really great for elderly folks and, and young people and women, but weird for me. Uh, no matter what title I throw out there, but I was, I was sitting there um, in front of Meadows kind of memorial, and there's a, there's a Parkland tent there, and um, just down on one knee, just, just watching these students grieve and just praying that God would start to do something in their lives from a distance, and this one young girl came and sat down there in front of, in front of Meadows' picture and the cross, and uh, she started bawling. And her mom comes over and is trying to console her. And no matter what her mom says, it's not making any difference. And her mom eventually kind of steps back and steps underneath this tent with me. And I can just tell she's at a loss for words. And I stand up and I go, ma'am, I'm, my name's TJ, I'm a, I'm a pastor here. I'm so sorry that you're having to answer questions for your daughter that she is emotionally unprepared for, and so are you. Can I, can I pray for you? And she just looks at me and she goes, Pastor, I'm just at a loss. And I thought to myself right there, how dark can darkness get? It can get pretty dark, can it? But even in spite of that, Jesus says that you and I, we can take courage. That there is a power that is available to you and I that can sustain us, even through the darkest moments. And let's be honest, if I were to grab one of these mics and I were to pass it around here, And just go, would you tell us honestly how you're doing? You and I, would you be amazed at the stories of hardship and trial and pain? Listen, not everybody is dealing with this experience the same way, but some of you, you're dealing with some, some loss right now. Some of you are going through some financial ruin right now and it's trouble in your life. Some of you are dealing with some kids that are just going buck wild and crazy that you don't have answers to right now and you're in some trouble. Some of you are dealing with a lot of things. Your health is in crisis right now. We'd be blown away by the stories because a lot of us, we walk in here and we try to fool everybody else by what we drive and what we wear and where we live and, and the job that we have and the cool clothes that we're wearing. But the reality is, is we're only trying to fool ourselves. And I think it's time for us to, to pull down some of the facade 
in our lives so that some healing can begin to take place inside of us. We can pull down some of the walls. You know, I was thinking the other day, it's like we're out in Parkland right now building walls so we can help people tear down their walls. But you know what? There's some walls in our lives that have to be torn down as well so that Christ can go in there and do the healing work that he wants to do. And so I want to help us begin that process today. And the only way I know how to do that is by doing what I did when I went through the darkest moments of my life when Shayla and I found out that we couldn't have kids and it ruined a lot of the life that we had planned. And it came down to three things that got us through that that I want to give you today. I've I've been praying all week. Like, what do I say to a whole bunch of people that are hurting that are asking how and why? How did this happen and why did this happen? And that's the wrong question that we should be asking. We should be asking God, what do you want to do inside of me today? Because I believe that God wants to do a work inside of you today. And then we can start to figure out some of those other answers, but it's got to start with you. What does God want to do in you today? And I believe that God wants to heal you in a way like never before. But I believe it's going to, how you deal with adversity comes down to three things. If you're taking notes, it doesn't matter. It comes down to, number one, what you believe. Because when adversity and trouble comes your way, what, what happens first and foremost is the spiritual vertigo sets in in our lives where we become fuzzy and unclear about what we believe. Everything starts to come into question in that moment. And I've just found that when, when these kind of things happen, I, I start going, man, there are some things that I fight tooth and nail to go, man, I believe these things. And these things are unwavering in my life. One of those things is, though, is that even though God allows a certain amount of adversity in my life, he is not the author of evil. Some of us, we need to know that today, that God is not the author of evil. In fact, Jesus made this very, very clear when he was talking to his disciples in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his MO. That's what he does. That's his agenda in life. And Jesus goes, that's not how I act. I want you to know who I am and what I do. He says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we've got to be crystal clear in our beliefs who God is and what he wants to do in our lives when adversity and trouble come our way. Another thing I've got to hold on to that I found that was so critical in my life is, is that God limits the severity of the adversity so that in his strength I can overcome. See, he only sends us the amount of severity at a, at a certain uh, speed and a certain angle to which we can sustain it and survive it. That's why I hold on to verses like Isaiah 43 where it says, fear not. And I love how personal God is, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. What's he saying? That, yeah, man, we're going to go through some things, but there is, like, God is right there with us, letting us know that we can make it through this adversity. And and listen, when a hurricane of hardship comes your way, you've got to know that this is survivable. Like, there's got to be some things that you can hold on to. There's scripture that I hold on to, tooth and nail. Like, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. 
I hold on to things like Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, all things, all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can even overcome this. And we've got to hold on to those with all that we've got. And we've got to remember that this is survivable through the power of Christ that work within us. And we've got to hang on to that. Another thing I hold on to in, in my beliefs is God makes himself completely available to us in our times of trouble. He makes himself completely available because my reflex reaction is, is God, where the heck are you right now? And why do you seem so silent? Maybe I'm the only one that reacts that way, but it sure feels that way sometimes. And when you're going through an adversity, the temptation is to believe that you're all alone. But I want you to look around. You're not alone. You're not alone in this place. And the scripture I've been holding on to all week is a verse out of Psalm 34. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. It says, he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many trials, but the Lord comes to the rescue, I add, every single time. And I think that knowing that God is there, right in the middle of the circumstances and the trouble that you and I are going through, and that he can make a difference is the, is the difference between somebody that lives with a defeated mentality and somebody who lives with the spirit of an overcomer. Man, I, I, I litter my life with symbols and things that remind me of this all the time. It's one of the reasons why I, I continue to wear the immeasurably more bracelets because it reminds me that God is able to do immeasurably more than all I could ask or imagine. It's one of the reasons I keep that stupid rubber band on my wrist that says expand on it because I know God is stretching me in moments where I think I'm unstretchable. It's the reason I have tattoos all over my arms because I'm stupid and I can't remember it and so I need it permanent. I don't recommend that for everybody else, but for me, it's necessary. I need to remember that we have this hope, meaning Jesus as an anchor for my soul. I need to remember that Ecclesiastes tells me, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. I need to remember that God is leading and directing my path in those moments. But I think the the last one is the hardest one to hold on to, and that is that God is totally committed to forming something worthwhile and good out of your adversity. Romans 8, 28 says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And sometimes it's hard to believe that, especially when we are in the middle of that thing. It's hard for us to see it. But hindsight always reveals how God works. About 14 years ago, my wife's sister, her, her next oldest sister was getting ready to get married her wedding day. 
she's ready in her dress, my wife. It's her maid of honor. All of her sisters are in there in the wedding party. It's time for the wedding, and the groom hasn't arrived. Five minutes pass, he's still not there. We get a phone call that he's been in a head-on collision with the telephone pole. And that he is being airlifted in the helicopter to Bayfront Medical Center in Tampa. And as Shayla's sister, Shannon, runs out and jumps in a car with her parents to drive to the hospital. We get a phone call that her fiancé, Mark, dies in flight. You know, the kind of thing you hear about in movies, but not real life. Kind of like this week. It's the thing you see on TV, but it's not reality for you. But it becomes reality really fast, doesn't it? And I remember thinking, as I watched Shannon in a padded room, banging her fist on a wall, what good could possibly come out of this? I saw a young lady stand firm in her faith and over the next year God began to do a work and before long she was being brought on a national TV shows and she was telling people that Jesus saves and transforms and bringing hope to a lot of broken people. What the enemy meant for evil God turned around and made it good. not an exaggeration to say that we've been through some tough times this week. But I believe that we've got to be firm in what we believe if we're going to overcome. And so my question to you today is, is what are you fuzzy on when it comes to your beliefs? Are you a little fuzzy on who the author of good and evil is today? Are you a little fuzzy about how much adversity God will allow to come your way? You fuzzy on how available and tender God is for you right here in this moment? Are you a little fuzzy about the fact that God can make something good out of your heartbreak? I think that this is something we've got we've to know and we've got to stand firm on and we've got to be sure of if we're going to be overcomers. What we believe, number two, is how we grieve. And I want to explain that because... Uh, what do I mean by how we grieve? I think some of us have got to learn to let go of some unrealistic expectations in life and just learn to squarely face the evil and the ugliness this world has and grieve it. Some of us, we've never learned to feel terrible sadness. Because we're told all the time, just be strong, just be strong, just be strong, which I think is the wrong thing to say in this moment. I think God created us as beings with emotions so that we can allow those emotions to process in our life. And some of us, we need to go through some emotions right now, and we're trying to be strong when really we need to be weak. Because it's when we're weak that God can do his greatest work in our life. It's when God all of a sudden becomes strong. And some of us, we need to cry and cry and cry until the tears run dry and then cry some more. And then after we've cried, we need to get up and start moving forward in our life. And I, and I believe that right now is a season where we need to grieve. 
where we need to let some emotions out and allow those things to happen. But here's the thing in our grieving. Second Thessalonians tells us not to grieve like those who don't have hope. See, we have a hope because we serve a God who is still alive and still on the throne. And so while we grieve the pain that we're experiencing and while we grieve the hurt that we are having, we don't have to grieve like there's nothing on the other side of that because there is. We serve a good God who still has great things in plan for us. And so if we can keep our eyes focused on that, God wants to bring us through our grief to the hope and the overcoming spirit that he has for each and every one of us. And so today, man, I, I think it's, it's important for us to decide that, you know what, I'm not going to go and I'm not going to suppress these things, but I'm going to cry and I'm going to cry it out and I'm going to grieve and I'm going to grieve with my kids so they know that this is okay for them to do. I don't have to be strong. They don't have to be strong. They need to know that when we're weak is when Christ's strength come in us. But then after we cry, we're going to get up and we're going to start to move forward. Because God doesn't want us to stay here. He wants us to start moving towards the light instead of staying in the darkness. And he wants us to, to hope instead of allowing defeat to keep its hooks in our lives. And so if we're going to overcome, I believe it's going to come down to what we believe, how we grieve, and number three, who we lean on. It's going to come down to the relationships in our lives. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 26, 37 through 38, he says, They took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus in his, his darkest moment, right before he's about to go through the worst trouble on earth, the cross says, I need people. And it's, there's some ironies in Christianity that just blow my mind. You think about the idea of singing and worshiping God. You think, man, you pour out your soul, you would end up empty in worship. But the reality is, is if you're a cross follower, you know when you come here and you worship, you don't end up empty, but you go away full. Another irony is this idea of, of serving, you know. You think, well, if I served, I would get tired and I would be overwhelmed and I would be exhausted. But you talk to people that are serving, they're not tired and exhausted, they're energized. It's an irony. You think about giving, you think, well, if I gave, I would be impoverished. If I gave, I would feel cheated. But the reality is you talk to somebody that gives, they don't feel impoverished or cheated. They feel ennobled. They feel like they're making a difference with their resources. In the same way when adversity and hardship come your way, when you decide to say, you know what, I, I, I need to talk to somebody right now. Because every single one of us hates to be dependent. Every one of us hates not being able to do things on our own. It's hard to walk up to somebody and say, hey, knock, knock. It's not going well with me right now. See, and I know what that feeling's like. Because almost 11 years ago, we got a call from a doctor that said, it's time for you to come in to get the results of all of your testing. When we went in to see that doctor, we heard the news that my wife and I, we would never have kids. And we had planned our whole life around our children. We'd bought our dream home we were those people that were, had such a plan. We already had rooms decorated. We had a boy's room and a girl's room. 
decorated fully for them. We had names picked out up on the wall. The little boy's room was Timothy James McCormick. The third, we were going to call him Trip. My wife fell in love with a girl's name, and so we were going to call a little girl Collins Elizabeth McCormick. And that day, all of our hopes, all of our dreams were destroyed. Faced the greatest adversity we'd ever faced. And every day that I would come home, I would see those rooms empty. Like a lot of parents are going to walk into their homes this week and next week and the months to follow. And they're going to look at their little boy and their little girl's room. And realize that those children are never coming home. And I remember in that moment that we chose to make a decision. And we chose to say, you know what, God, we don't care what our circumstances say. In this moment, we're going to choose to worship you in spite of what everything around us says. And I remember on that car ride home, we were, we were singing and worshiping God with tears running down our face, just grieving that moment, heading straight to our friend's house because we knew that we could not do this alone. And when we got to their house, we said, they answered the door and they're like, what's going on? And tears down our face. We said, man, it's not good. And we sat in their bedroom and we cried all night. And you would think at the end of that, I would feel like I was a loser and less than. But that's not how I felt at all. I felt stronger than I'd ever felt in my life because there was a weight that I was not meant to carry by myself because the Bible tells us that we can confess our sins one to another so that we can find healing. I think that'd be really well translated today. You can confess your pain to one another so that you can start to find healing. You can confess your hurt to one another so that you can start to move on from that pain so that you can adopt the attitude of an overcomer because Romans tells us we are more than conquerors because of him who loved us. And today, I want you to know that you're more than a conqueror. That God wants you to have hope and not despair. That he wants you to be victors, not victims. But it's going to start with how you respond in this moment. And so we're going to end service a little bit differently today than we normally do or what we normally do. Because I think today is not a day for us to sit back, but today is a day for us to move forward. Today is a day for us to begin the process of healing in our lives. And so we're going to have the worship team actually sing some songs here. And I'm going to ask you all to stand. And we have some of our elders and, and, and some people that we've asked to come down forward to be available to pray. And here's what I know. As we join together here, maybe some of you guys are going through some things and you're a little fuzzy on what you believe. And maybe you need to solidify that today. Maybe you need to pray with somebody. Maybe you've never started a relationship with Jesus. These people down front are available to pray with you, to lead you in that. Maybe you're here and you feel like you're all alone. I want you to know you're not alone. I don't care if you come down front. I don't care. Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, hey, I'm, I feel alone right now. Can you pray for me? Let's realize that we're not in this by ourselves, but we're in this together. And how we respond in this moment is going to determine whether we become a victim or we get victory over this.
And I believe that we can be the light and the change that our world needs to see. But it's got to start right here, right now with us in our lives. we got to allow God to do that healing inside of us. So would you guys worship with me? And man, if you feel led, just come down.